0: Welcome to the Success is Subjective podcast series brought to you by ParentTrainers.com presented by Lilly Consulting. I'm your host, Joanna Lilly. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing a young adult by the name of Chelsea. To protect her anonymity, we're only using her first name. Chelsea is a 2019 graduate of the Georgia Institute of Technology with a BS in international affairs with a concentration in public health. She currently works as a STEM which is science, technology, engineering, and math program coordinator at iFly Indoor Skydiving. Chelsea currently has a little over two years sobriety and remains active in 12-step fellowships and the Georgia Tech Collegiate Recovery Program. She has found passion and purpose in her recovery and hopes to help others in their journey towards recovery and mental health. I so appreciate Chelsea's willingness to chat with me and record her story. She is hopeful the more college-age students will hear that it's okay to take a break to get help and then go back when you're ready. Chelsea was also recently engaged, so I just wanted to say a big congratulations to her and her new fiancé. And now, let's not wait any longer. Here's Chelsea. All right, Chelsea, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Let's just dive right in. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself in terms of where you grew up and what were the expectations around higher education?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I grew up in um, Alpharetta, which is a kind of wealthy to middle-class suburb of Atlanta in uh, Georgia. Uh, I went to public school but pretty much from a young age it was instilled us that you are going to be taking SATs acts basically pick a college in middle school pick what you want to do for the rest of your life in ninth grade and um, i i was groomed from a very young age to know what I want to do for the rest of my life and I should have it all figured out basically by eighth or ninth grade and follow that path That didn't work out for me. Uh, I think one thing that came out of the way that I was raised, and I love my parents, I was brought up in a very nice neighborhood. I had basically everything I could get at my fingertips. Um, But I also read into this kind of mold of perfectionism. Um, From a young age, I believe my earliest memory of being diagnosed with OCD, I was in fourth grade. And the way that they kind of figured it out was I stopped turning in all of my assignments. So I, I went from being a straight A student to fail in fourth grade. And the reason for that was I believed that if I didn't get an assignment perfect, then it wasn't worthy of me turning in. So I would do them, but I wouldn't turn them in if I didn't think I could get a 100%. Um, and that was kind of the first instance of, hey, there might be something a little off with the way that we're raising her or the way that we're telling her she needs to um, ha- do everything and be it all and be perfect. But I kind of carried that with me through middle and high school. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, and I still to this day probably have no idea what I want to do with my life. But I was told very young that you should have it figured out. Um, I thought I wanted to go into a science field and then I thought I wanted to be um, a politician and it just kind of became over time that I would become whatever people wanted me to be. Um, Whatever people thought was that perfect image or that image of success, um, that was what I wanted to be. I wanted you to think that I had it all even if inside I didn't and I was struggling with myself and my own identity. And as long as you thought that I was that perfect person, then I was okay with that. Whatever that meant to you, I didn't really care. Right. In high school, uh, I still was pretty straight A student, did well in the ACTs, SATs, pretty much uh, went right into college. I started my freshman year at Auburn University, uh, just because that was where everybody in my family had gone, got a scholarship there, and I immediately kind of took a nose side. Um, I went from this bubble of Alph- in Alpharetta, of being kind of under my parents' wings, not really being allowed to go out, party a lot. I had my nose in the books from ninth grade to tenth or to twelfth grade, and I didn't know what freedom was. So as soon as I got to college, that was the point at which I was like, "Oh wow, now I can do whatever I want. There are no rules." Um, within two weeks, I started partying. Uh, I started drinking underage, I started going to fraternities, um, having many nights I don't remember, and just essentially being the entire opposite of what I had thought of myself. Um, but for some reason, in an ironic way, my the perfectionist in me loved it, because if I was under the influence, I no longer had to be perfect. I loved being um, high, I loved being drunk, because it allowed me to kind of be whatever I wanted and I wouldn't remember the next day. And people seemed to like me more because I wasn't as uptight when I was under the influence of drugs, alcohol, something else. Uh, that continued through my freshman year. And my parents kind of stopped and noticed. They were like, hey, she might have like some substance abuse issues. Um, we really need to kind of keep a closer, closer eye on her. Um, thankfully, my grades didn't suffer. Um, I kept a 4.0 at Auburn. So my parents were like, we'll just have her transfer to Georgia Tech. Uh, so I transferred back in state and got into Georgia Tech pretty easily. And um, within a few weeks of Georgia Tech, it was the same thing. In fact, Georgia Tech, it was even worse. They have a joke. They call it an in, or a drinking school with an engineering problem. And that is more, truer words have never been spoken because at Georgia Tech, it was full force. I mean, everybody you knew was on Adderall, Um, just drinking constant issues behind the scenes. It was a very toxic environment for me to come into, but I also kind of went to it with open arms. I continued my drinking. I started um, using Adderall back into that fear that I'm not going to be perfect. The one thing about Auburn was it was easy to maintain a 4.0 for me. Um, I could pretty much go out party uh, Friday through Sunday, back, study, and get perfect grades. At Tech, it was a completely different story. I was no longer the smartest person in the room. Um, I had to study if I wanted to do well on tests, and that was something that was really foreign to me, and I was completely out of my comfort zone. That perfectionism and that OCD really kicked into full force, and before I knew it, I was no longer turning in assignments. I was drinking Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, to the point where I was drinking all week just to cope with the fact that I didn't feel like I fit in. Um, and it was a lot for me, because not not only was I still trying to be the best at a school where I clearly could no longer be the best, um, but I also was in a major that I really think that was predetermined by my parents and society, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was taking classes that were busting me and stressing me out, and they didn't, Really have any purpose towards what I wanted to do in my life, which at that point I hadn't figured it out. All I knew is that I wasn't comfortable with myself, and I certainly shouldn't have been picking a career and determining what I'm doing for the rest of my life. But to most people, they didn't see that because they still saw the perfect grades and getting into a decent school and following that societal timeline of everything seems to be going okay. Uh, fast forward to my junior year, first semester. Um, I had a couple of issues with overdoses um, on alcohol and various other pills. The police were called to my dorm. Um, My parents called the police multiple times. And there was a point where it was uh, suggested, heavily suggested, that I take time off to kind of get some help. Um, So I didn't intention, it wasn't my intention to leave. In fact, I was kind of gently forced to leave. Uh, And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. At the time, I hated myself for it. I thought that I would never recover from it. I, once again, was buying into that timeline of uh, go to college at 18, figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life, and graduate in four years and be done, and then be happy and successful. Um, And I thought that my life plan was falling apart. Little did I know that I had no life plan, but I thought that it was falling apart. During that time off, I was sent to a couple of different rehabs, and I did a lot of heavy work on uh, substance abuse, kind of some past trauma I had gone through, um, a lot of issues surrounding my OCD um, that kind of pushed me towards being perfect and pushed me towards hiding behind that cloak of, if everything looks fine on the outside, then that's all that I cared to have from you. And um, it took a long time, in fact, I would love to say that I got sober after the first rehab, but that is not my story. Um, It took me many times. In fact, I think it was probably five or six different treatment centers to really want to buy into this. And I think the reason for that being that I could not forgive myself for having a different story than anyone else in my circle. Everyone else had already graduated. Everyone else was engaged or off at their dream job and I was sitting in a rehab center and really no one knew where I was and that was really difficult for me to accept um until finally after a couple of treatment centers I realized that I couldn't compare myself to people anymore um I started to become proud of my story I started to look at what had happened to me in the past and look at my perfectionism no longer is kind of something that I should be victimized for, uh, play a martyr for, but something that I should use is, yes, I have that, but this is what I'm doing in light of it. I worked really hard, I worked 12-step programs for multiple different areas of my life, and it really helped me turn a corner. Uh, About a year and a half into my sobriety, and I was actually living in a halfway house. So after you go to 30 or 60 day treatment center, they send you to a halfway house afterwards and you can be there. I was there for about six months. So I was living in the halfway house and I remember specifically asking the house mom if it would be okay for me to reapply to Georgia Tech because at this point I was out for over a year and they had essentially when you are out for a significant period of time, then you have to reapply and be reaccepted to the university. Uh, So I remember kind of taking that to my sober mom at the time. And she was like, yeah, I think that'd be a great idea if you can get accepted. So we wrote the plan out and there was actually, I'll do a shameless plug for um, Dean Stein at Georgia Tech was extremely helpful. And he's still to this day is really a champion for anybody that's suffering from uh, mental health issues, substance abuse disorders. He really is our champion. And helping us rally and get back because everybody who denied me um, when I had him behind me, and he was the one that took it to the registrar and took it to the different people at the university. And he said, "No, she's been to this um, institution. She completed 60 days of treatment. She's active in 12-step. Um, she is doing everything she needs to do." And we think I think that she should be allowed back um, here at Georgia Tech. Uh, so after that process, I was readmitted, actually, April 5th, um, no, 2018, April 5th, 2018, I was readmitted to Georgia Tech, and that was a day after my birthday. So That was my huge birthday celebration. It was a great and, birthday. <laughs> yes, it was excellent. I saw the letter and everything. It was very proud. I was like, I can re-accept it. It was, see, and that's something that people don't celebrate, because that doesn't happen. But to me, it was super cool. Um, I got reaccepted, and within um, three semesters, I completed basically two years of credits and I ended up graduating in May of 2019. So pretty recently. Congratulations. Thank you, yeah. So I, and just,
0: and just out of curiosity too, what did you actually major in?
1: Yes, so I changed my major and I ended up graduating with a degree in international relations. Um, with a focus in um, public health, uh, global health. I did my kind of, they make you do a mini dissertation for your undergrad, and mine was on safe and dignified burials in um, Africa for the treatment of Ebola. So, yeah, I going and going back was really, really difficult. Like I said, most of my classmates had graduated. I remember being on a class project in one of the courses when I went back, and they one of the courses um, was like, Look really familiar. And I was like, I don't think so. And she's like, No, I I think that you were a senior when I was a freshman. And I was like, Oh crap, my secret's out. And once again, that um that mental image of oh no, someone's caught me, or no, someone knows my story. Uh, and the alarms start to go off. But then now I'm able to catch myself and I don't really feel shame in that yes, it took me more of a roundabout way. But I feel like I've matured significantly um, more than other people that didn't go through what I had to go through and other people that just go directly through college and think that they have this perfect idea of what life's going to be. I feel like I have a better idea now um, knowing what I'm facing going into the real real world. And I know how to cook, which is always helpful. (laughs) Right like going back to school
0: and actually being like having the skills to be able to take care of herself and post graduation yeah so i'm I'm curious too, just because I do get a lot of inf- like i get a lot of questions from parents about like, okay, well, if my child goes to treatment, they're still going to go back to school. Well, what is at school that's available to them to continue their recovery? So I know you didn't mention anything about this and I'm not familiar with Georgia Tech and whether or not there is a, you know, a, a recovery community or a collegiate, you know, program. Does that exist? Were you a part of it?
1: So, um, yes, Georgia Tech has a collegiate recovery program, and it's fantastic. Um, It was actually, it was funny. The first time when I had all of this going on, it didn't exist, or it had, like, two people. And then by the time that I had gotten sober and went back, uh, we had a group of about 15 sober kids um, going through CRP at the time. I was active, and I'm still kind of active um, even post-graduation with them, we still hang out, we still talk. They run two meetings on campus. So there are a bunch of nearby meetings in Atlanta, but we do run two um, AA and um, Smart Recovery meetings on the Georgia Tech campus. And then we meet once a week, and then aside from that, we go bowling or we do something fun or we go throw axes at things. And it just teaches you a lot about having fun in sobriety. It also teaches you that you're not alone. I really thought that getting sober would be the end of my life, especially in college. I thought it was the end of fun. And now in sobriety, I have more fun with people that are like me than I think I've ever had in my entire life. So um, uh, that's yeah, therapy is great. Good.
0: I I love that you said, uh, you know, helping us find s- fun in sobriety, or like, you know, just having fun in sobriety. And the comment about like being sober as a college student and how you thought that would be the end of the world, because I think there's way more college age students, not just at Georgia Tech, but like across the country, that are sober. But it's almost like this like hidden crew of people. You don't want to out yourself, and at the same time, like unless you're a part of a CRP or a CRC, like how do you get connected other than attending an AA meeting and like, you know, just kind of word of mouth. But I love that you said that because I think that, you know, there's definitely a bunch of people that are going to listen to this podcast are going to hear that story and they're completely going to resonate with your thoughts. Exactly. And some of it is tied to that perfectionism, the image, right? Cause that's kind of where you're crossing over into like, this is the new me. The, right. The sober me, the excited me, and I'm embracing this collegiate experience. Similarly, the only difference is that, um, I mean, I might actually still show up for the parties, but I'm not the one that's actually engaging in any of that stuff, or I'm going to host my own parties and <laughs> there's no substances and we're still going to have just as much fun. We're going to remember it. It's going to be awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I love, I, I created more memories with those people that will last the rest of my life than anything I did in my drinking so I, I'm really lucky for them. And we actually had, it was uh, when I graduated, the um, five other CRP members graduated at the same time. So we all took a photo together. And it was funny because I remember one of the boys that was in the picture, we actually met three years prior at the same halfway house. And now we are both uh, graduated from Georgia Tech with our Bachelor of Science. So it was a pretty, pretty cool moment for us.
0: Super cool.
1: So fast forward, you graduated
0: last year. So what are you doing now?
1: Yes. So now I'm actually, my main job is I am a STEM um, education coordinator for IFLAT. So I'm helping organize um, and lead field trips for kids anywhere from elementary school to high schoolers to people that are starting college, and um, we teach them about tunnel flying, the engineering behind uh, tunnel flight, body flight, physics of flying, so it's um, a lot of fun for me, and it's something that I'm really passionate about.
0: That's awesome. So, in thinking about kind of your journey over the last several years, I always ask every person that I'm interviewing, where you stand right now, do you see yourself as successful?
1: Yes, I... I see myself as successful. I have a very different notion of what success means. Um, Success to me means that I'm constantly trying to be the best version of myself every day. Uh, And usually, I mean, even on bad days, I go to bed and I say, at least I'm a better version of myself than I was two years ago or yesterday. And as long as I'm creating that better version of myself and doing the best of my abilities to make the world a better place, then I can myself
0: successful that's awesome um okay then let's let's just jump right in if you could give one piece of advice to somebody who is struggling so college-age person and, and kind of open to interpretation what that struggle looks like for that person what advice would you give them uh
1: so my my first advice would be talk about it do not keep it inside I guarantee you that you are not the only one that is suffering from whatever you think you're suffering from um, alone. And they they say the opposite of addiction, the opposite of most things is connection. And if I had just told somebody what I was feeling, I think it would have saved me a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, and a lot of um, pain that I caused other people if I had just had the courage to open my mouth and say, hey, I'm struggling, uh, and this this is what I need don't be afraid to ask for that help. And usually in asking for help, you're helping the next person. That's awesome. Now, one of the things that I typically do too
0: at the very end is I'll let uh, anybody that I'm interviewing to kind of plug themselves in terms of like, if you want to be available to someone, uh, should they want to reach out? Are you okay with us giving your contact information?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, 100% open. I'm always willing to talk. I've had a million people that were there for me. And so my amends to everybody is that I will be there for you because a million of you were there for me when I needed you.
0: That's amazing. All right. You heard it, folks. Chelsea's available. So we'll have her contact information in the podcast notes, reach out, uh, you know, ask for help. She's available. Chelsea, thank you so much for telling your story and for being on the podcast that's it for this week's success is subjective episode stay tuned for our next episode where you can bet it'll be another amazing human sharing their very personal story with the world you can follow me joanna on instagram at lily consulting And on Facebook at Lily Consulting, LLC. Most importantly, though, check out the resources link on my website at LilyConsulting.com. And that's L-I-L-L-E-Y Consulting.com. Or you can just search on Google for Lily Consulting. You can also download and subscribe to listen to the Success is Subjective interviews on any popular podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Make sure you check out the show notes where you'll find content, Contact information, website details, links to articles, and all social media for our guest. Once again, thank you to parenttrainers.com for sponsoring this podcast series. And thank you, our listener, for tuning in. And remember, there is no single path through life. Success is what you make it.